We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Get your popcorn ready. Myself and my ugly co-host, Hatch, is in the building. Hater alert. Hater alert on Get Your Popcorn Ready podcast. My boy T.O. in the building hating. Yep, yep. Let's get this thing started, man. Get your popcorn ready podcast. One more week. We are in the books, and we got a special one coming up, man. Uh, D'Angelo Hall, you reached out and was like, yo, are you cool with D-Hall? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. So obviously, I mean, he felt like because of some of, you know, our interaction on the field, I think he probably thought that there was some animosity. Um, but I, I'm sure, and as he said in his text prior to all of this happening, um, you know, he's in a different space. He's a different man than he was, you know, when he played, and I am too. So uh, it made all the more sense for me. Like I said, hey, when we played, we're competitive. We both going to go at it. Um, that just shows you the competitiveness in both of us. So uh, I th- thought it, I found it very interesting that he was like, yo, Hatch, you need to reach out to him first because he thought that I had some animosity. But as I told him, you know, I leave whatever is on the field, on the field, unless you bring it off. Other than that, it's all good. It's all love right here. It's all popcorn over here. Already, yeah, D'Angelo Hall, three-time Pro Bowler, first-round draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons. Then he went to the Oakland Raiders, and he finished up his career with the Washington Redskins. Played 14 years in the NFL as a corner uh, during the end of his career, played some safety. Uh, and again, I put him as one of the, the headiest, as well as being athletic corners to play the game. Again, that, remember, that boy could run. You know, he was full, full two coming out. Uh, again, he had all the tools and for him to, again, have some of the records he has in the NFL. I'm not I'm not shocked, but looking forward to having D'Angelo Hall on the show today. Get your popcorn ready podcast and don't forget to subscribe on the Himalaya app wherever you get your podcast. Yes, yes. And not only the audio version of this, but if you want to see the video version of this, because you have two handsome hosts right here, myself, T.O. and Hat, go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Terrell Owens. Coming up on Get Your Popcorn Ready Podcast, D'Angelo Hall coming to the stage. Yeet! Well, there it is. Welcome to Get Your Popcorn Ready Podcast. It's your host, Hatch, with my boy T.O. is in the building. What up, T? What up, man? Man, I love this show right here, man, because we got... A special guest in the building. Man, he's one of the premier corners I know that I I played against. We had some some spirited battles. Uh, <laughs> him playing in Atlanta. I played with Frisco and 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 Philly. 
so yeah, man, and Dallas, yeah, for that matters. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we got we. we hey, you talking about having your popcorn ready? I am ready today, man. We got our man D'Angelo Hall. So with no further ado, man, welcome to Get Your Popcorn Ready Podcast. Myself and my boy Hatch. Welcome, D Hall. What's happening, man? What's happening? Chilling, man. Chilling, man. Hatch T. I appreciate y'all having me, man. Oh, thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for coming on. You know, we we always talk about the the Kobe and uh, you know, kind of how he LeBron, MJ. Right, yeah. Co- Co- Kobe kind of, you know, took what MJ was doing. I think you're the only defense or defensive corner ever that we always say that kind of tried to emulate Deion Sanders. Is that a true statement? The way you dress, the numbers, the two that you wore in practice. Is that, I just want to, I just want to put that out there for us. One of the only <laughs> questions I get to ask me today. That, I mean, I wore two funny. in high school. So the two as a practice jersey was just something I kind of always did. Um, okay, but, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, you know, you think of some of the most famous twos that played the position I played. And obviously, Dion name pops up. Charles Wilson name pops up. I wore four in yeah. college. Champ Bailey name pops up. Um, but, yeah, man, you know, those were guys that that kind of was the standard pairs. You know, you throw Daryl Green in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple other guys I know I'm missing. Uh, but just you know, you want to try to take a little bit of everybody's game just to try to put in your own. And, you know, I absolutely try to try mm-hmm. to take as much of Prime and a little bit of Champ and see right. Wood, Green and, you know, Aeneas and all these, you know, great, great players just tried to take take what I could get from them and try to put it in my game. So, right. yeah, I think yeah. I took that Deion Sanders prime time in Atlanta mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and ran with it, especially getting that 2-1 down there. Right. And, and for the fans out there that don't know, the reason we're talking about him wearing number two in practice because corners can't wear a single digit in the game. So what uh, players do, they kind of like to wear during their practice jersey, they'll put on their single digits in practice and they'll rock them like that because they yeah. can't wear them in the game. So for all the fan base out there wondering about the number two and what that means for guys to wear them in practice, that's why you know it's kind of a big it's kind of a big deal. It is. <laughs> it is. Look, I look. I got eight year old twins, and they like, man. I don't, when I get to the NFL, I can't. I can't wear a single digit number. I'm like, no. Or you a punter, right? Hey, but the, <laughs> but, but be fresh though, right? But the way things are going, you never know. By the time they get to the league, True. yeah, that may be permissible. You know what I mean? Yeah, when we shoot, when we came in, yeah, receivers couldn't wear ten through nineteen yeah. uh, in the late nineties, probably early two thousand. I think they probably changed that. Shoot, maybe Larry Fitzgerald's rookie year, maybe that two thousand three, two thousand four, because Fitzgerald had eleven. And no other, you know, especially prominent wide receivers at the time had, um, you know, a 10 through 19. And now that's all you see. Nobody even wants a, a definitely nobody wanted 81. Well, that's for well, sure. Nobody correction. wants that. Correction. Keyshawn had 19. <laughs> yeah, but Keyshawn was getting fined, I remember. Yeah, was he, could, he couldn't oh, wear it. it. He couldn't the wear it. I heard was Keyshawn would write a check at the beginning of the season and say, I'm wearing 19 every game is right. at least that's the myth. That I always heard. Oh right. wow! It, well, it was it. illegal. It was because I because again you had to have on the roster you had to have eighty through eighty nine full you know the tight ends. It had in to order be full, to get order right. for, yeah 
in order for that to happen. Gotcha. Oh man, this is news to me, man. I'm getting educated <laughs> on my own show. And I didn't, I had no idea. I didn't know that was a thing. I knew obviously there's numbers designated for positions, but I didn't know that you really couldn't wear a particular mm-hmm. number outside of your position. Yeah. Wow. That's there. crazy. Well, yeah. So D Hall, I know, let's say you uh, live in uh, Virginia area. Now you're from the Chesapeake, Virginia area. You were talking about your high school career a little bit. Take us back to high school. Like, you know, start us out when, cause you were on the offensive side of the ball as well, right? You were great with the ball in your hands, uh, of course, and kind of that kind of translated over to college, of course. But take us back to, to what Deep Creek High School and yeah. uh, the, the superstar you were at the high school level. <laughs> well, you know, I went to Deep Creek High School down in that Chesapeake, Virginia area, 757 area. A lot of a lot of great football players, basketball players, Allen Iverson, Michael Vick, mm-hmm. um, Joe Smith. Oh, wow. Overall pick out of Maryland. Um, didn't turn into a superstar player, but we just – you know, coming from that area, it was always guys who had made it big. Bruce Smith, you know, was another name. Uh, mm. Kenny Easley, you know, and just seeing those guys from a distance, man, as a young kid growing up, it just always gave you the motivation that, man, I can make it. You know, if, mm. hey, I made it from 30 minutes up the street. If Mike Vick made it from 45 minutes up the street. You know, why can't I make it? And so mm-hmm. it really gave us the ability to kind of see that dream or have that dream. But mm-hmm. then because those guys made it, you know, we felt like we could make it. And so, you know, my high school career was good. I wouldn't say I was a great uh, football player. I was always kind of fast, always kind of had a chip on my shoulder. I think he probably knows that more than any anybody, man. I always had a chip mm-hmm. on my shoulder. Right. It, was never, it was never a guy too big for me. Um you know, y'all know the scuffles I've gotten in on sidelines with O line mm-hmm. and all these other <laughs> uh, situations, fussing out coaches. I've always kind of played with that chip on my shoulder because, you know, being 5'10, 190 pounds soaking wet, like, if I don't think. <laughs> yeah, you can't play with nobody. <laughs> he ain't going to think I'm shutting him down, right? And so, right. you know, I tell people all the time, man, my persona on the field and off the field is totally different because on the field, man, like, I'm crazy and I know I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be a little bit. You got to be crazy. Go out there and check T.O. by yourself, to check Marvin Harrison by yourself, to check Randy Moss by yourself. You know, all mm-hmm. these great Hall of Fame players, you know, and I thought I was a good, really good corner. You know, I, I thought I was a great football player. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it just goes back to, like you said, in high school, playing running back, playing receive a little bit in college, um, you know, being really good with the ball in my hands as a returner. It just kind of. You know, it was always about trying to go out there and make a play. And even on the defensive side of the football, I always hated hearing uh, commentators and coaches say, oh, he plays defense because he can't catch. No, <laughs> Right. <laughs> I like hitting people, not getting hit. There um, it is, right. okay. When I see DBs not catching balls, I'm like, bro, that's why you play corner. There so, you go. Right, there you go. right, right. Oh, exactly. Already. So, again, so now, of course, you get to that uh, getting recruited area going into a college. Now, how much did that decision on, you know, if they're going to let you return kicks or get the ball in your hand a little bit, how much did that play into your decision on going to college? Well, really, the only thing that played into my decision was, uh, you know, was if I was going to be able to play right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a young kid. I graduated high school at 17. Wow. Um, yep. Big difference. In November. And so, you know, I, I graduated in June and had to go to college in, in July for a summer school program. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tech was one of the few schools who was kind of like, all right, you know, we're willing to see what you got. Uh, you know, I had a, a, a lot of other offers, a lot just stem from track. You know, I ran a lot of track in high school as well. 
Mm-hmm. And so I took a lot of offers just because, you know, everyone knew I was fast. Um, but Virginia Tech was really probably the only school that was talking to me because they knew that I could play football. You know, I had my mm-hmm. aunt state wanted me to come on track scholarships and things like that, but I wanted to be viewed as a football player um, that ran track, not a track guy that played football. Right, right. Ended up picking Virginia Tech, and it didn't hurt either. I, like, you know, you, you talked about me being a primetime fan. I mm-hmm. wanted to go to state bad. Um, right. The conversations with that staff at the time was I was going to red shirt off, off rip. They didn't want me. They didn't want to see nothing from me. I was going to red shirt. And I'm like, coach, like, can you can you at least tell me I'm going to compete for a job or a compete <laughs> see if I'm a red shirt or something? And so, you know, that recruiting process was pretty easy for me because, you know, having Virginia Tech play for the state and national championship the year prior, you know, it was kind of a no brainer. I got to stay in state and then they start kind of pitching the, you know, if, you know, if we stay in, in the state of Virginia, if the Virginia kids stay in state, we got a chance to beat teams like Miami. And, mm-hmm. yeah. which, mm-hmm. you know, we did have, a, you know, we did beat those guys a couple of times. And as you as you guys know, they weren't they weren't lacking talent, man. One year we right. beat nine first rounders. You know, I played the, the, the yeah. here that hit Ed Reed. Uh, Mike Rump, mm-hmm. Philip Buchanan, main yeah. little backups were Antrail Roll, Sean Oh, Tim, wow. You Ooh. know, uh, it, it was just a stacked team beyond. Mm-hmm. Shockey was out there one tight end, and his backup was Kellen Winslow, who probably ran right. Yeah, <laughs> our team. You could imagine. <laughs> uh, already. Well, shoot, I guess you made the right choice. You're now in the Virginia Tech Sports Hall of Fame, so congratulations on that as well, man. Thank you. Thanks. Also, what obviously you you said you were obviously known for for being fast. Did you consider running on the track team? I, I ran a little track one one off season at uh, at Tech. It just was too much, you know. It was just a whole lot, you know. Being in college, I wanted to enjoy the experience, right. so mm-hmm. I was having to go to spring practice and go to track practice. You know, mm-hmm. I saw the results that spring. I ran four one five, and I think that's when a lot of Oof. started to speed. Wow really noticed well I mean that was a handheld time and you know Virginia Tech has a myth of having the fastest times in the country uh, <laughs> a couple of years earlier than that Mike ran for two something and so we are fast I don't quite know if we're that fast but right <laughs> what uh what events did you run 100 200 yeah I was a sprinter so I ran the 100 200 yeah okay. right, I only so. got to run indoors so I only ran the 60. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. 60, yeah. 60, yeah. yeah. I got we we got, we got a race coming up here pretty soon. Myself and uh, uh, I'm, it's a it's I a ran, JV it's a JV race hall. Don't first, get excited. It's JV. First of all, first of all, you got to consider your source and yeah. which you get in your information. This guy right here slow as molasses, so he's always gonna try to hate. But you. I but so I used to be fast. Hey, so this is what the deal. You know, I'm sure you've seen the highlight. I raced Tyreek Hill. I saw a, that. I saw a little a couple couple of months. I don't think I saw the finish though. Right, a couple months ago. So the thing was. We had him on the show. He said, obviously, he's one of the fastest in the NFL. So he said he was going to give me 10 steps and beat me in 100. I said, there's no way. Hatch is mad because he lost 1,000. Our producer lost 1,000. You know what I mean? And so he's hating right now. So now I've gotten myself in a little bit of shape. So we had Justin Gatlin, the World Olympic sprinter, on the show. So we have the same bet going that I had against Tyreek Hill. He said he's going to give me 10 steps. He said he's going to give me 10 steps. And then so I've called a couple of other people out. So Brandon Marshall, if you check out Brandon Marshall, 
He'd been on the treadmill. He said, give him a few weeks. Be Marshall. Hey, what? What? So, Marshall, what you doing? Right. But but I'm just saying, yeah, that's what he said. He said 100 grand. No, no, no. But he said he running for 100 grand. No, that's that's got to be a lot. Who he going to bet the 100 grand to? He's going against me. So, y'all going to be even up? Yeah, straight up. The reason I say that, the reason I said it, because he said the 60. So, I said 40 or the 100. So he hit me on my he on the, look at his story. He go, he's calling me out. He's on the treadmill. He's pulling the sled. He said a hundred grand. He goes, yo, I'm not running. He said I'm not running the forty. I'm not running the hundred. He said we're gonna run the sixty. I've never really ran the sixty, but I'm gonna run him. I'm gonna run him in the sixty. And we got some other people that's gonna be make. We're gonna make the race interesting, D Hall. So Justin Gatlin, we it's gonna be live streamed in a few weeks. So he's getting a couple of his track guys. I'm getting some football guys. So Marquise Goodwin's already bought in. He said he's he's gonna do it. Paul Pratt, who's he's pretty fast. And we got one more other guy, and we're gonna do a four by one hundred relay. But we're gonna mix it up. It's gonna be two track, two football guys. Oh, that's gonna be dope, man. Oh yeah, no that's doubt. Be dope. But B hey. Marsh, B Marsh couldn't run when he played, bro. That's bro. what I'm saying. I don't hey. know what what, what hey. B Marshall doing. <laughs> hey, hey, you, you, up, you sure this is Brandon Marshall? <laughs> yeah. All you, hey, all you gotta do is go to his lives and follow his stories. Follow his story. Nah, his, I'm uh, shoot, go I'm go, I want to send that bet. I want I want a piece of that action. Oh, yeah. bro, <laughs> too, man. You feel hey. me? Hey, trust me. If he want to take, if he wants some of this smoke, be hard. Trust me. The thing is, how people really think I'm slow, but I'm gonna let them think that I'm slow. But once I get going, it's a wrap. Why would they think you slow, though, bro? You didn't play slow. Like, uh, yes. I don't think people think you slow. slow. No, no, trust me. For they whatever reason, oh, probably. There, yeah, yeah, there it is. There yeah. it is, Hall. But you can there do it, it is. no, bro. Because look, <laughs> hey. Daryl Green, man, up in, in, in VA, and yeah. just turned sixty, and he still can pick him up and put him down. He still I believe it. Just oh, different. man, that's right. Yeah. Like Adrian Peterson, he different. Daryl Green different. Right. He, he ain't different. He ain't different. <laughs> he can't work like that. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so, so yeah. Speed. So, this is, this is a good set. Yeah, this is a good segue. Speaking of, funny. like, yeah, speed and stuff like that, who is some of the toughest receivers, like I said, outside of myself, that you feel like you faced in – We'll get toward the end. We'll get your top three to five uh, receivers all t- of all time. Oh, man. Tough as I had to face. I mean, obviously, like you said, yourself, we had some battles. Um, right. You know, and, and me being so young in some of those battles, too, man, it taught me a whole lot as I continued to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy Moss humbled the hell out of me. You know what I mean? Going up against him, um, he's a tough cover. Calvin Johnson, just by sheer... Mm-hmm. Size, like how do you deal right. with <laughs> right. 235? You know, right. interesting story, man. I can remember, and I was telling Nate Burleson this. We were at the Super Bowl uh last year in Miami. We were all chopping it up. And, and you know, I t- he he actually was telling the story, and it was so funny hearing him tell it because you know, the way I saw it was totally different. And it was the first play of the game we we're playing Detroit, and my coach was like, Look, you following Calvin Johnson around all game. First play of the game, we're going to call cover two. Just run up on them. Yeah, just smash them. Just mm-hmm. Hit them. Let them know it's going to be a tough day. I'm thinking, all right, cool. All right, that's all I got to do. <laughs> all right, man. So the first play, I'm off about eight yards. I start walking down almost like it's a trap coverage. As soon as they hike the ball, I run up and just hard as I can hit Calvin Johnson. Yeah. 
Throw me slid down over yeah. my eye. Yeah. <laughs> it's a run the other way, dog. I, I kind of go to the sideline and say, hey, coach, that ain't work. We ain't doing that. Throw that out. <laughs> <laughs> like, call that thing. off. Hey, well, oh, you, yeah. you know what's funny? Because, again, uh, special receivers, we always have this debate with, you know, fans saying this corner is covering you. But I'm glad you explained that you guys went cover two so that gave you the ability to come up and jam because if you was just single safety press, like you wouldn't have did that on that play. Now you're one of the few corners to follow receivers, you know, side to side. So of course, all respect goes out to you, but people got to understand a lot of them corners out there when they got that safety over the top, they're not being as aggressive because they're not that good. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, you're absolutely right. And you know, I understand where my place is in football. Um, you know, like I said, I thought I was a really good corner, but I thought I was a really great football player, just being able to mm. understand the game and see things. And, you know, I might be in man to man here, but if the quarterback's looking the other way, like I'm trying to go make a play. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, you know, when I watch players like Marcus Peters play, I, you know, I, I, I love watching him play. And it's not necessarily because he's the best man-to-man lockdown. Right, right. But I know he's going to give my my football team an opportunity to win because he's going to take the football away. Absolutely. I feel like as a DB, you got to take the football away. Like, there's a lot of great people who claim they're great DBs. um, But if you ain't getting the football, man, you just knocking down PBUs. Like, people didn't fear Dion because they were scared that he pick it. They feared him because they were scared he was going to pick it. And it was going to be a highlight six the other way. Yeah, um, right. too. Yeah, he take that ball away. That ball's yeah, important, you man. You got to for sure. So yeah, you know what? Of course, it's it's a it's a bigger story than I even thought. Um, of course, T don't know, and you probably don't know. But uh, again, so when you when you face T on that Monday night, I didn't know that was part of your coming out party. You know what I'm saying? Because as a receiver, of course, T goes say the same thing. T saying, well, if I had over 100 yards, I had a pretty good day versus this guy. But as outside looking in, the commentator saying, you have arrived because you played T so well in certain mm-hmm. situations in that game. How did you feel like after that game? Were you like, okay, yes, I have arrived because I played an all pro and I played well? Or were you still like, I still got to get better? Well, you know, the whole setup to that. First of all, I reached out, you know, Hatch, when you reached out to me about being on the podcast, I'm like, bro, you got to tell T he got to hit me like I just <laughs> you know because I know we've had some fierce rivalries you know right I mean? right right and it could be you know anybody who's just watching it could think man we hate each other and right right, right. not the case at all like I'm the biggest T.O. fan my kids know T.O. heck my eight-year-old's over here listening to every word <laughs> look at T. so awesome. um you know so for me I guess the success came from just accepting the challenge, man. Like I was mm-hmm. 21 years That's old. That's part of it. You know, I was 21 years old. So I was a young dude and T.O. was the man, mm-hmm. you know? Like you, you're not gonna stop a dude like like T.O. It's, it's just not gonna happen. And so the first half, I think T had what? Eight catches, seven, eight catches. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he had a lot of catches, bro. Right, right, right. right. I'm in the locker room at halftime, like, <laughs> like this is it. <laughs> you know, I got another half, and then I just remember Jim Moore, um, who was our head coach at the time. He was a DB guy. I don't even know. I'm, I'm sure T remembers him because he was in. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was in San Francisco. He was a defensive back coach there. Yeah, and so he was just, you know, 
hey man, get up on him. You got to play him like this. You know, he was just throughout <laughs> the course of the game, and mm-hmm. you know, it was just the moment, man. That was the year right. that T and M had lost in the Super Bowl mm. um, to the Patriots, but they beat us. Us being the Falcons in the NFC Championship, championship. Game. Didn't even right. play in that game. Nope. Mm. And 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 they won. And so, you know, the job was to try to look if we can if we can handle him, we got a chance to win that game. And so, I mean, I always want the pressure. And obviously, yeah. in the first half, I, I you know he whipped me pretty bad. But in the second half, um, I don't even know how many catches he had. But it wasn't the eight he had in the first. And we <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You know, we end up winning the game. But I tell my kids all awesome. the time, it's not how you start. It's start. How you start. It's how you, man. I just man. I, mean, I just man. I think in yep. today's society, so many kids see see this instant gratification, this instant mm. by Instagram, mm-hmm. all these different social media sites, they get all these likes and they forget, like at the end of the day, bro, you, you still got to work. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's probably the number one thing, man. Like I, I just remember watching a special and T was going to work out at like 10 o'clock at night. And I think mm. ESPN was showing it or somebody was showing it. And I was just like, man, if you want to beat your opponent, hell, you got to train like your opponent. So I started getting midnight. I'm in the Falcons facility by myself. Nice. Lifting weights on the treadmill that season, you know, all that off season. Um, just trying to get my mind right because it was a point when I first got in the league, man, when I, you know, when I was going against Randy, I'm like, bro, I don't know if I can do this. Like, right. that's harder than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I to slow down. I stopped trying to make every play and just make mm-hmm. that one play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I understand it. Oh, I got a safety. Why am I biting this? Or why am I jumping this slant when there's a cover three and somebody going to buzz under the flats? If he catches it, just make the tackle. Like once right. I started understanding some of those things, um, you know, it really slowed the game down. And I, you know, I was able to, you know, I was able to make some plays. It's funny that you say yep. that, like I said, you, you saw a special, you saw T.O. working out at 10 o'clock at night. And this is what I'm trying to explain to the kids as well. It's like, you have to do more. And yep. when the Clippers lost last week, right. The only thing I was waiting to hear from the Clippers is saying, you know what, we're going to take two days off and we go start working out again next year. But I'm not hearing that out of the Clippers. So, because it goes back to that, uh, of course, just the last dance. We're huge Jordan fans on here. So when the, when Michael came back and he lost that game in Orlando, and they lost, they were out the playoffs. And Michael said, "Hey, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, I'm gonna see y'all to start getting ready for next year." So I don't think people understand the way you have to start getting ready is go be the process. You don't start getting ready during the season. Or yeah. when training camp starts, when everybody else gets ready, you got to start when that when you first feel that in your gut, like, yo, this dude mm-hmm. out here is doing something different or I got to do something different. And I, and I think just going back to, you know, real life, the, the Clippers, what I'm hearing, all that, I'm hearing nothing about these guys getting back in the gym already. And if they ain't doing that, they don't got a chance to win it next year. And it kind of goes back to the difference between athletes of 10 to 20 years ago compared to athletes today. It ain't even close. You know, right. athletes 10, 15 years ago, it's just the dog mentality, man. It was, I felt like it was a higher level. Mm, uh, right. I love LeBron for everything he's, he's done off the court. Um, you know, he's such an influential person, you know, in our society, especially for, for young African-Americans. You know, he, he's done a whole lot. Um, but I kind of like, like, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I ain't going to team up with nobody. You know what I mean? That's just why right. I've always kind of been a Kobe guy. Cause just that mindset and that mentality, you know, it's like, you can't coach that, you know, as a dad, 
you want your kids to have that kind of mindset, you know? You know, I love LeBron, like I said, but I'm, I'm always a Kobe guy, MJ guy, because, you know, if someone comes to my team, cool, but this is my team. Like, I am not going to somebody else's town, no, nobody else's city um, to try to win no championship, even though, like I said, played 14 years, never got one. Um, I'm kind of wishing I would have made my way up to New England at some point. Okay, live sports are back. The NBA Finals are set. And while neither the Clippers or the Nuggets made it, our friends at Manscaped have the Clippers to make sure that your Nuggets are perfectly groomed and always worthy of a championship trophy. And speaking of trophy, do you want to make sure you're taking care of your trophy by keeping less hair around it? Well, go to Manscaped. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced. Manscaped actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail. Their perfect package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Waterproof, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The perfect package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and crop reviver. The crop preserver is an anti-shaping ball deodorant, which ensures that your afternoon stroll doesn't end up with your balls sticking to your legs. If you don't want your balls sticking <laughs> to your legs, use the Crop Reviver. It's a spray-on toner for your balls. Not your basketballs, but your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extract that will give your balls a boost or a bounce. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code POPCORN at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code popcorn at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code popcorn. Take your grooming game to the next level and protect your trophy. No, but I I, I like what D'Angelo said earlier um, as he mentioned uh, his kids, especially his eight-year-olds, and he touched on something for me is that you know, a lot of these kids, as he said, they don't know the grind. They don't know the process. I think a lot of kids look at a lot of these social media platforms from your Instagram, Twitter. You think about the likes, the YouTube. Um, they don't really know uh, the true measure of success. And these social media platforms, they're not it for it. So it's it's our duty as men, especially D'Angelo Hall, who's uh, one of the premier corners, I, I, again, that I face, that have played in the National Football League to share that wisdom with his kids because, again, they can get caught up in the hype with their peers, with it, with their friends, with their other uh, or what have you, uh, classmates and things of that nature. They have to understand the grind. And for me, we didn't have social media, but I knew the grind for me is that I knew that I had to work a little bit extra harder than the ones that were around me, whether it was in high school or college. And then when I got to the pros, like I said, I knew – that I wasn't as good as the guys that were drafted in that draft class. I had 11 or 12 guys that were drafted before me. So when you think about now playing against guys like Champ Bailey, D'Angelo Hall, the Darrell Revis, um, uh, uh, Jason Seahorns, not really Jason Seahorns, but the top. Yeah, don't, the put, top one. don't put Seahorn in there. <laughs> right. But, but, <laughs> but, you know, but, but that's the thing is like when I, when I was starting to come out of my shell, they were starting to find guys that they felt like that could shut me down. But obviously these guys were drafted like first or second round. Like I said, I was, I was, I came from UT Chattanooga. I didn't go to a top division one school. So that's where when you talk about having that chip on your shoulder. 
I didn't necessarily have that chip, but I knew that I wasn't as good as I wanted to be. So I had to be the best version of myself. So I knew facing a lot of these great defensive corners that I I was going to be facing, and then eventually like like Andrew Hall, I knew that I had to put in that hard work because I knew that I wasn't good. So I was a realist in a sense. So again, I like what D'Angelo said. It's like, you have to trust the grind. You have to go through the process because a lot of these kids, they're looking for that instant gratification. They want to work out for one or two weeks and then think that, okay, I've arrived. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go. It's, it doesn't happen in one or two nah. weeks. I just had this conversation with my nephew. I try to treat it like a, you know, I try to tell him like yesterday, I was like, yo, it's almost like a bank account. Uh, or or a big, big glass jar that you got and you're trying to fill it up. At the end of the if you start putting something in that, yeah. that jar every day, every other day, every week, by the end of the year, you ain't going to be able to pick up that jar because everything is adding up. So that's why I try to tell kids and put them in the mindset of the process of what it takes to be successful and reach their goals. So I appreciate you sharing that, that, uh, that, that insight, uh, D'Angelo. No doubt. Hey, T, let me ask you a question. Because, and I know this y'all show, but hell, I, like I said, I'm a fan too. So I want to. Yeah, that's all good. So, when you, so, so at, at some point you knew you were the dude. What kept that grind going? You know what I mean? Mm. I'm not saying the dude. Because like, some people relax when they find out they the dude. Like top one, two in the league to do. Like numbers right. passing Jerry Rice up there. You know, like what kept the grind going even after you got to that? Pinnacle. Honestly, bro, it was because I had I had a strong dissatisfaction of being mediocre. I experienced standing on the sideline, not playing on Friday nights in high school. I experienced a little bit of that when I was in college. I went to actually it's so funny. I went to uh, to high school and I got recruited to UT Chattanooga with another receiver. His name was Derek Hall. So we called him D Hall. So I got I got the Chattanooga on the heels of him. They were recruiting him and they came and they watched film. You know, that's when they had VHS and the Lord. So they basically said, yo, who is this kid? I didn't really start. I didn't really start at all. Uh, I maybe started maybe a maybe a couple of games like my entire high school career. But they saw it like, man, who is this kid? It's like, yo, he lucky has potential. So I only got recruited based on the heels of someone else. And so when I got to Chattanooga, it was the same thing. I was I was underdeveloped. Um, I was skinny. I was scrawny. I wasn't fast at all. I didn't have the muscles that people see now at my professional career, in my professional career. That's what, when you talk about working out late night in the morning, like I, I, I got a trainer after my third year in the league. So that's when I started to understand what I was able to do based on the physical attributes in which the San Francisco 49ers drafted me. Because you look at their roster of receivers prior to me getting there, they were like 6'2", 6'3". You talk about John Taylor, uh, J.J. Stokes, uh, Jerry Rice. These are guys that I kind of – I had the prototypical type of body uh, like those guys. And so when I got to the league, I realized, again, I wasn't good as I wanted to be or I needed to be. So that grind, that, like I said, I, I wouldn't say as a chip, but dude, I, I stood on the sideline for a number of years watching everybody else make yeah. plays, whether it was defensive guys or offensive guys. Bro, I was, bro, I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, I did yeah. it in high school. I did it in college. And I'm like, yo, 
I want to make, I want to maximize, I want to take advantage of this opportunity. I wanted to enhance my skill sets in which I was drafted for. So everything that I was, I felt like I was weak on, where it was bump and run, route running, all these things, like I said, it didn't happen overnight. Like you said, when you, when I started to really feel like I was that dude, I was really that dude coming out of, coming out of my like eighth, ninth year going into Philly. Bro, I felt like there was nobody that could stop me. But prior to that, when I was my, probably like my, Year four to year eight in San Francisco, there was a transition in quarterbacks. I had Steve Young, and then I had Jeff Garcia. So I had to adapt my game based on the ability of both of those quarterbacks. Steve Young, your 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 prototypical stand in the pocket pocket passer. Jeff Garcia, not so much. So if you think about it, year eight, that's when I started going over the top of guys and everybody started to see my speed because now I'm playing with Donovan McNabb who has a hose of an arm. He could throw every route in the route tree. He's a pocket passer. He would just throw, drop back and throw that thing over top. With Jeff Garcia, I had to adapt my game based on what he could do best. And so after my eighth, right, really in between four and eight, and then really in year nine, I felt like I was that dude because I had started, I had between that time I had developed uh, that confidence. I had developed my route running. And then again, understanding the system and my quarterbacks and then studying defensive backs, understanding what they were doing, reading coverages, this, and that, and the other. Bro, it was, it was, it was a, it was a rep once I became that, became knowledgeable about the game. And see what I'm hearing too. You were you were a realist. Like so yep. many of these athletes aren't. They don't have realistic expectations, right? Right. What they think? Oh man, I ain't got nothing to work on, man. I, I had seven catches. I'm good. We good. Mm-hmm. Nah. They don't see their flaws, man. And I think yep. that was what I always did too. I, I always tried to work my flaw. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. my flaw might have shown up. It might not have shown up in this game, or might not have shown up in that game. But eventually, somebody gonna find that flaw, and if they find yep. it, then I, you know, and I don't have an answer for it. Right, <laughs> I'm right. done. Right. right, barbecue toast. <laughs> I, and and, and again, it's, it's people. It's, it's people who are listening again. You know, because I I have the same mentality, of course. You know, but people like, well, it's just um, Hall of Famers or all pros think like that. Like, no, there's a lot of dudes that think like that. They might not have success to, the numbers to back it up. But what you just said is really the same thing. Uh, the story about Kobe is when he would think he was in eighth or ninth grade or whatever. He went to a, a camp and he worked on his left hand the whole camp. Like, that's it. He didn't let, you know, he shot with his left. He dribbled with his left. Like little things like that. People don't got don't, they have to understand. You got to be willing to do what's hard now to make it easier for later on. But very few, especially at a younger age. And when I'm, you know, I mean, younger age, I still mean 20 and 21 year olds. They're just not willing to do that. Like you said, they always got to look like the super superstar. They always got to be the superstar. Like, no, you got to work on your flaws every single day. Yeah. And then at the same time, like sometimes you have to understand the the generation in which we're, we're speaking of. And if you think about it, the generation that we're speaking, sometimes they're a bit too, they're a bit too sensitive. So words mm-hmm. like flaws, I try not to use because they. What, were, what word would you use? What word would you use instead of flaw? I would say er, er, I would say areas of improvement because, like you said, depending, like you said, there's no more dogs these days, bro. You know, in high school and college, coaches used to talk to us any kind of way. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? But now, but now, but now these you can't these say kids, nothing, right? And they're so sensitive. <laughs> 
So you have to really kind of curtail your your vernacular, your 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 coaching techniques for these kids. So again, and then I have to realize that too. Even and I and I said it, and I learned it through my son because I know my son, and he's been around Hatch and some of my friends, and they be like, man, they tell him how how good I I, I was in football. So they may not register with him, and he may not want to hear that. He may want to be himself. So I try to tell him even when we've we've trained or what have you, and Hatch has seen him. Um, he he just he comes to the try to the workouts or whatever. He just stands around. He doesn't do anything. Now he's playing football. Now he's playing catch up. So now when I try to catch him, uh, coach him up a little bit or try to tell him, you know, give him techniques of what to do. I try not to use certain negative words because, like I said, you never know how these kids may interpret it. So I try to use words like errors of improvement instead of, you know, stuff like flaws. But again, when you talk about guys like D'Angelo, he mentioned, you know, making adjustments and uh, understanding your 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 abilities where they may not be. As a person, yeah, you can tell you tell yourself, okay, this is what I need to work on. These are these are my flaws. These are my weaknesses. For me, as I played the game. I tried. I, I started to understand and read defenses. I understood in-game adjustments as well as halftime adjustments. I'm gonna give uh maybe D'Angelo here. He'll remember this. Uh, this particular play, I was with the Cowboys, and I saw the way oh, that he was. I, I, <laughs> hey, hey, so this is with the Cowboys. He got but you, this, huh? <laughs> but this is this is one this is one play in particular that I remember because we talk about in-game adjustments and like I said, you can script things the, the way uh, of tendency, this and that and the other, but they may not work out that way. And then the smart ones, they start to elevate their game. And this is where, like I said, it was like, uh, this was probably like year nine, like year 10. Like I said, when you start, when you asked me about starting to be that dude, this is, this is where I started to become that dude to where I would come out of the huddle. I would start, depending on where we are early in the game, I would see how guys would play me, defenses would, would, would play me. On um, this particular play, we come out of the, well, before we go out the huddle, I already saw D'Angelo Hall. He's playing with his butt to the back to, to the sideline. So he's looking for me to obviously try to funnel me in, or he's in a position where he could drive on anything I'm going out or drive on anything going in. So when I came out of the huddle, we had a go route. So I already knew based on positioning. And tendencies route that the alignment. I knew if I lined up two or three yards outside that that uh that N- number number he yep. he knew what was coming. Yep. So when I this particular play, I saw him because right before we broke the huddle, they had already kind of left the huddle. And I told Tony, I said, Tony, I said I'm not. I said, Yo, I see where he's lined up. I said I'm not going two yards out tonight. I said, Yo, I'm gonna run my route on top of the numbers. He said, Cool. That was the that was the that was the chemistry. And the camaraderie, not the camaraderie, but the chemistry, chemistry. And, and the rapport that we had is that he understood and I was being truthful with him because he knew. I'm like, yo, I'm running this route from the top of the number. He looked at me, say no more. As soon as I got to about 10, about 12 to 15 yards, I saw D'Angelo settle because he already knew He's something enter, was coming. Enter out enter because out. Of your, your split, yeah. Right, right. And because his ass was to the sideline. Soon as I saw that, bro, I just went straight ahead. <laughs> I went straight hey, ahead. Hey, Hall, hey, Hall, this is a podcast. We ain't got no video, so you good. Hey, hey, but, hey, but like hey, I said, hey, you, you might not got no video, but I've been in my head, bro. You see it right now. 
what he was talking about. And I never thought, I never would have put him on taking that ball straight up the seam. And never. Crazy. actually made teams start running that inside seam route just like that. Mm. Um, yeah, it was actually, it was a go route, but I yeah. ran it like a seam route. And that's yeah. what I said. Even even that's my funny. coach, they was like, even my, they came to, they was like, dude, why did you, why, why, why did you do the, I said, dude. Because it just makes sense, me. yeah. It, it just makes sense. Some things don't have to go as scripted. But I wanted everybody to know, we're talking to D'Angelo Hall, one of the best yeah. premier corners in the league right here, man. Woo! I'm loving this. Yeah. So, as I said, so D. Hall, so talking about the flaws. So, give us one of those flaws that you had in your game that you felt you had to work on during your career. You know what? I was – I wasn't much of a backpeller. T.O. Talk was talking about my butt to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, in college, I just wasn't taught to backpedal more. Right. And so when you are running those kind of intermediate routes, when your shoulder's square and you're coming out your back pedal, it's a lot easier to break on some things sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. yep. With your hips cocked. Obviously with your hips cocked, butt to the sideline, you you're ready for that fade ball all day, right? You're ready to mm-hmm. go front. Yep. You're already opened up. You don't have to back pedal from a square position then turn mm-hmm. your You're already turned. And so because in college we played such a funky defense at Virginia Tech, I mean, literally our cover two, fellas was the two corners would play half field. The safeties would walk down from top bottom and yep. I, I thought that was cover two. I, when I got this right. two, I'm like, what you mean? This right. <laughs> That's not our two. That's y'all two. Oh, I got <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. All right. And so we never really pedaled. And so, you know, that was a big flaw, flaw of mine. It wasn't really till I got with Raheem Morris, probably hmm. year five or six, um, okay. that he really made me trust and believe in, in that straight pedal. Cause I was able to read so much more stems and just kind of, you know, I was, it was easy for me to adjust um, mm-hmm. different route combinations as opposed to, you know, as a DB, the only ball you really scared of is that fade ball. So right. always with them hips cocked. Cause I'm like, man, I am, look, I know I can run, but these dudes can run too. Right. Right. Yeah. They can all run in the lead. That's for sure. Right. So, so you're saying, so with your speed and your instincts, um, I know right now you're, you're tied, uh, you tied the NFL record for interception in 2010 with four interceptions off Jay Cutler. In one game. Is that, <laughs> and, and yeah, like I, dude, that's, for, to me, that's, bro, that's like scoring five to six touchdowns as a receiver in a game. In game. Yeah. How, is that, is that film study? Is that instincts? Or it was just one of those days where, again, you feeling like you're that dude and there's nothing he could throw at me that's going to beat me. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit of both. It was a combination, um, a little background. When Jay Cutler was in Denver with Mike Shanahan and I was in Oakland for the eight games I was in Oakland for. Right. We played Denver that on, on the first Monday night when they do the double hitter. All right. Mm-hmm. Denver had this little quick receiver from Virginia Tech named Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal. Uh, yep. I knew Eddie. Love Eddie. Still talk to Eddie to this day. And when I tell you Mike Shanahan ran every man beater known because he knew how Davis ain't playing. Nothing but man. Right. D-Hall, you get one side. Non-Diasquad, you get the other side. You right. know, different route, you get the slot. Mike Huff was one of the safeties. Jabril Wilson. I mean, we had a hell of a defense. Mm-hmm. But when, you, when your quarterback is Jamarcus Russell, it was kind of hard to put points on the board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to go back to that Jay Cutler was that quarterback in that game and Eddie Royal might have caught seven or eight balls probably five or six on me 
I'm talking T, whip motion, you know what I mean, on third and two. And I'm mm-hmm. as a corner, I got to follow and he just zoomed to the flats. I'm like, bro, coach, we we we, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and Jay Cutler, I've never asked Jay this question because I, you know, I, I ain't really cool with Jay. But I guarantee, if anybody asked him <laughs> why he kept going at me, right, I'll tell you because two years ago I lit his I lit him up, you know, and that was ah. and so I kind of understood that all week in practice I knew how cocky he was. I knew how he thought. Oh man, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm, I'm gonna light I'm gonna do it again. Yeah. And so all when right. people didn't know that game, it was all in the second half, T. And in the first half, wow. I don't even know if I got any action in the first half. I wow. I did. It was just a back and forth, a lot of turnovers in that game. Hell, I had four picks myself. I want to say uh Albert Hainsworth had a had a sack fumble recovery or something on the goal line to stop them from scoring. Wow. I think Pep ran one back, maybe not Pep. Yeah, I think Pep was on that team. No, no, Pep wasn't on that team. Erlacher ran one back. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I mean, it was literally a whole lot of back and forth. You talked about Donovan. We had Donovan as our quarterback that game. And mm-hmm. boy, he was that, that, that didn't last long. That he didn't was, last long. Man, he was giving it up. <laughs> and so literally in that second half, man, I just felt like it wasn't a shot. I mean, I felt like I was playing ball, man. I was a big basketball player growing up. And so, you know, I've been on that court where I'm in the zone, man, where it don't mm-hmm. matter. I'm coming down on fast break, pulling up. And All right. Like that, bro. Like Devin Hester ran a route, and he quick as hell. And somehow I'm beating him out his break, diving, pick, got the first one. Second one, they call it all-out blitz. I'm in the huddle like, man, are you kidding me? Why we call it all-out blitz? Right. Third and like six on the 18-yard line, them coming in. Jay throws a ball just behind Johnny Knox. I pick it off one hand, take it back. Mm-hmm. We in two man. He throws a slant to me. Like, and then <laughs> prevent defense, and he just throw one up. Like, I'll take that too. Uh, <laughs> and so some of it was me being in the zone. Some of it was trash quarterback. But, I mean, hell, I'll take it. My mom was in the stands that game. Yeah. I got this give her every ball after and that <laughs> it was super dope, man. Super oh, dope. Wow. If I could have got Jake Cutler awesome. a couple more times, man. I might I might <laughs> might have me a gold jacket when you, <laughs> hey, you might get one that, anyway. It's all good. That's tough, bro. That's big. Again, four picks in one game. Again, I that's amazing. Hey, we almost talking about four picks in one game and we lost. I'm just and, glad we won. Yeah, yeah, that would have been all bad. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's all dope. bad. But like, shoot, so again, like I so said, talk about, like, I want to, you know, you went to Atlanta, right? Early draft pick. Um, the Oakland scenario. What Because ha- again, you were still trending up in your career, and then yeah. the Oakland scenario happened. What what did happen in Oakland anyway? Well, what happened really in Atlanta, what, what stemmed, stemmed in Atlanta that sent me to Oakland was, you know, everyone knows what happened with Michael Vick. And, and 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 the dog fighting and you know mm-hmm. all those kind of uh, allegations. And I think when, when we brought in a new new coach, uh, which was Mike Smith at the time, he was the Jaguars D coordinator yep. um, the Jack Del Rio. Uh, they loved me. I you know I remember the draft process, Jacksonville saying they were going to draft me if I you know if I made it to to that pick, and I ended up going to pick right before. Um, and so I knew the coaching staff loved me. Uh, Michael Vick had just got paid two years. Mm-hmm. Two years left on his contract. Me and Mike had the same agent, and so the and plan, you and Mike also played at Virginia Tech together, of course. Yeah, college the plan teammates. was always to get me paid with one year left on my deal. 
Um, Rich McKay moved from the GM spot to the president spot, brought in uh, Thomas Dimitrov from New England to be the GM. And, you know, Dimitrov, I'm like, look, we kind of had already talked about getting the deal done. I'm supposed to be the face of the defense. Obviously, now we're going in another direction because there's no Mike anymore. And mm. so, you know, we're, we're going to have to draft a quarterback, which they end up doing with Matt Ryan. I was supposed to, you know, help 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 solidify that defense. And, you know, Mike's or Thomas Dimitrov said, if Mike Smith tells me he wants you, we'll get the deal done. So I go in the Smitty office because that's how I am. Hey, Smitty. Good. Right. Full transparency. Hey, Smitty. He over here telling me, if you want me, you go. <laughs> All right. Smitty grabs me. We walk to Dimitrov's office. And Smitty like, bro, I need him. I want him. He is the best player on our team. Wow. And I out two weeks later, they're trying to shop me at the combine. Wow. Like, wow. They don't bang the knees. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, at that time, I'm a two-time pro bowler and I'm 24 years old. Um, up, right. You know, got, got a year left on my deal. Why would you not want to lock me up? Right. And, you know, and, and being so young and immature, you know, if I had to do it all over again, maybe I'd have took a deep breath and, 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 and chose a different path. But, you know, I was committed, man. I was committed to, to my path and my value and my worth. And I didn't feel like I was, yeah. in, in, you know, in Atlanta. And I knew the Oakland deal was kind of trash because if you saw it on paper, it looked like a one year deal. And my agent was like, man, they can, you know, they can, they can turn that deal up after one year and you won't mm. get $18 million bonus next year. I'm like, end of the day, Atlanta was paying me five. They paying me nine. I don't, mm-hmm. I go out, you know what I mean? If that happens, yeah. they, right. you know, God rest his soul. He was, there's no way we're going to cut you or trade or anything. We're giving up two draft picks for you and all this. Right. And, you know, middle of the season, well, not middle of the season, maybe five, six games in the season when we ain't won but one or two games. Right. You know, he sat me down and he was just like, look, I'm either going to have to ask for a pay cut or we're going to have to cut you. You were the last guy to get paid. Mm. And I think it's only right for us to renegotiate. And I'm like, nah, you must be like, we'll renegotiate next year. I think it's a big bonus. But that's when I figured out that re- bonuses aren't really bonuses in the NFL. It's right. Not, <laughs> you know, it's not like baseball. Um, and that guarantee. After eight games and ended up in D.C., man. And, you know, it ended up being, ended up being the best thing for me, man. It was close to home. I had mm-hmm. the tech fan base that kind of just embraced me open arms. Because, you you know, you were right. I was trending up. And then with that whole Oakland situation, everybody felt like, well, he must have done something wrong. Right, right, of course. And, you know, at that point, my whole goal was just to prove that I can still play corner, that mm-hmm. I'm still an elite corner. Because no one, no, it didn't make sense. Why, why, why did right. they, like, they just paid you 70 million. Right. Right. You had to been an asshole. You had to, you had to. And I'm like, no. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, mm. since I was the last one to get paid, I should be the first one to get my money back. And mm. I said, I ain't giving my money back. You you can just cut me. And that's what he right. did. <laughs> wow, that's, that's crazy. Lie. So, so then after that, you went to Washington. You still made a Pro Bowl in Washington. And then, of course, you know, as you probably got longer in the tooth, right, your career started getting toward the end. You switched from corner to safety to kind of get you a couple years in. How was that transition, again, because that very confident uh, corner, I can lock down anybody saying, okay, we need you, but we need you at safety means you can't play corner anymore. How'd that transition go for you mentally? You know what? I actually initiated the, the move to safety. Nice. Um, and through my first 11 years in the league, you know, I, I, I didn't get hurt much, didn't have any surgeries. Um, and then I had an Achilles one year and I was able to come back, play corner the wow. next year. 
tough. But that next year, I ended up having like turf toe, where I, I, I mean, I almost tore that, almost tore that, that tendon down there. Tendon. To, mm-hmm. And it was so hard for me to break aggressively like a corner. Mm-hmm. And safety, I could teach them. I mean, I was out there playing safety. Gosh, maybe three three weeks before they, <clears throat> excuse me, probably three weeks before they let me actually, you know, play in a game because I'm like, bro, I'm like, I feel good at safety, but whenever I went to corner, I just couldn't, I just mm. couldn't drive off my foot like I wanted to. Um, and you know, obviously seeing C Wood, you know, make the move and mm-hmm. telling me they were gonna be able to use me like that, never got an interception at safety. And I'm like, I'm thinking I'm gonna be Ed Reed out there. <laughs> you know, I got I got 40 at corner, maybe I can get 10, 15 at safety. Right, right. That never happened, man. I, you know, no quarterback wanted to throw it deep because they knew I was a ball guy. So ended up making more tackles and getting more headaches than actually making any plays. <laughs> <laughs> Love watching how C. Wood ended up always in the perfect defense to let him do whatever he wanted to do. <laughs> right. The perfect defense to let him jump everything. Right. Being straight man on man That's to my funny. tongue falling out my mouth, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't want you don't you wouldn't want to have it any other way though. You know what I'm saying? Had a great career. You know, like I said, it's you got records in the NFL. You had a great career. You got money in the bank. Like you're a blessed individual, young fellow. Absolutely, I appreciate it. All yeah. good, all good. And so I know a couple of things before we get off. You know, we do a couple of things on this show. Uh, of course, we call it uh, "Start One, Bench One, Cut One." Right. So I'm gonna give you a little scenario and see see what you come up with. Right. So let's just say you got a uh, you got a third and third and ten scenario. Right. You got a safety over the top. So you and the safety got to communicate. You can give you three choices of a safety. Right, three uh, former teammates: LaRon Landry, Lawyer Malloy, or Ryan Clark. Start one, bench one, cut one. Third and ten, you got two men with you and the safety over the top. What you go do, LaRon Landry, Lawyer? Yeah, LaRon's probably one of the fastest darn safeties I've ever played with. Okay, um, but speed don't mean nothing if you're going the wrong way or if you ain't. Got- <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Because I don't know if y'all remember LaRon. We had a cover too called yeah. against Philly, and it was D-Jack. And I told LaRon, hey, bro, first yeah. of all, LaRon goes talking trash to D-Jack before the game. And I'm like, bro, I got to cover him. Let right. me talk trash <laughs> said what you want. They called out cover two. We said, LaRon, stay deep. Mm-hmm. LaRon doesn't stay deep. And D-Jack turned them all around 80 yards first of the game. So I don't Peace. want LaRon, first of all. I don't want LaRon. Okay, so he cut. LaRon is cut. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to probably – Sit or you said sit one, bench one, cut one. Start, yep. yeah. start, start, start one, one, bench one, cut one. Yeah, right. I'm gonna I'm actually cut LeRon. You gonna cut LeRon? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta I'm go. Ryan Clark, man. I'm gonna bench Ryan Clark. Uh, I okay, played okay. Ryan Clark when he was pretty long in the tooth himself. Right. Uh, <laughs> that year, I actually tore my ACL. I was expecting to, 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 to be able to play with him because I mean, the dude was a phenomenal mind when you talk about a safety and just football mm-hmm. um, you know probably one of the smartest people I know hands down on a football field just the way he sees stuff uh, and so I, I'm, I'm only sitting him because I didn't play with him as long as I played with lawyer mm-hmm. I'm gonna start lawyer my lawyer because I was a young dude man and lawyer taught me a whole lot about life a lot about football I still talk to lawyer to this day mm-hmm you know, 
having a dude who had the success he had early on and coming to Atlanta, he was able to teach, you know, our young group really mm-hmm. how to be pros, man. And Lawyer wasn't the dude who was going to get back there and probably give you the best coverage. He was more of a banger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like I said, he just taught me so much and I've always been such a fan of his. And so I'm going to take, I'm going to take Lawyer, my lord. Okay. There it okay. is. Okay. Okay. So now I got uh, start one, bench one, cut one. This is only for one year. You got this player for their one superstar year, right? You got Michael Vick, 2006 year. You got RG3, that what, 2012, 2013 year when he was balling, right? And you got Lamar Jackson, what he did last year. Start one, bench one, cut one. So I'm a cut RG. I love you, RG. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm a bench seven. That's my dog, but I'm a bench seven. Okay. I'm with Lamar, man. Just you know, oh, I wow. Think okay. Wow. I think Michael be the first one to tell you, man. Like, yeah. I know where you're going. He played like he didn't have anybody cater that that type of like Lamar's getting system. This yeah, he got his own system. Yeah, Kyler Murray is is getting a system catered to catered to his ability. Man, and I hate to jump around, but when I watch Dwayne Haskins, I feel like they want him to do what they want him to do. Exactly. Like, Bro, the kid threw fifty touchdowns in college, dog, and beat Joe Burrow out. He got to right. know how to do something, right? Right. But True. Right. What he can do well, and coach right. that. Um, any team that you know. Any team that puts you in position and understands, that's why I, I, I love Coach Belichick. Never been around him. Talked to him one time when I almost went there in free agency. But I love him because I, I don't see him high. I don't see him putting his guys in position to do the things they can't do. Like right. Can't do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I see coaches, you know, they just want to call a man and blame it on the call. Oh, he just got beat. Well, bro, no. scheme them up for us, man. Like, Thank we you. know you can't cover him. Like, right. Exactly. Knows that. So why you got him doing it? It's because you can go in that meeting after and say, well, he was in man, dog. He should have covered him. Instead of mm. saying, yeah, coach, I, I called the wrong call. That blitz shouldn't have called that. Instead right. of calling that, they, they want to be able to say, yeah, it was in man, man. He just didn't cover him. And yeah. so, you know, I love seeing, you know, even Rex Ryan, man, the way he always had Revis's back. You know what I mean? Because he would go in the media and say, oh, Revis locking everybody down. And then I'm looking at him and I'm like, bro, he got that safety over the top on that. Over the top, right. And I'm not saying it happened all the time. And Darrell, right. you right. know I know. Uh, right. It happened more times than not, but Rex right. was in there and, and, and have you thinking he was on an island by himself. I'm talking right. about <laughs> and right. And, and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help the situation because you've got analysts that don't yeah. really know. They thinking, <laughs> oh, he's on it. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. They're co-signing what people are saying. Like I said, people that know, knowing, no. okay, yeah, it's not happening. 80 90% of the time. Yeah, is he a great corner? Absolutely. Absolutely. But he ain't just out there just shutting everybody Every down just one on one. There's disguised coverage. That's why you got these bums up there, you know, come analysts or what have you, don't know what they're talking about, just going to just spewing everything. But I'm yeah. glad guys nah, that, yeah, like no, I said, they, they play the that's, game. That's what made me want to get into, into the media game, man, is because I, I used to sit home and, and hear analysts talk about what I was doing and I'm like bro you totally like what are you talking about don't even know right, right. don't even know exactly attacking guys, attacking guys for no reason and I'm right. like exactly you got the point he didn't make the play do you know how hard that play is to make or they act right. like you know oh that was that was dumb he shouldn't have, like bro he's not trying to do that right like, sometimes I feel like guys forget you know even coaches that play man a lot of coaches 
a lot of people on TV, they forget they played the game. You know what I mean? They forget how hard it is to play the game. Right. I made a hell of a lot of plays. I gave up some plays too. Like I still right. have to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm like, bro, if you yeah. watch it, like, bro, I slipped trying to break on that weak ass double move route, double move. <laughs> I don't care about getting getting ate up. If I if I get ate up, like gunfighters get right. shot for the coach already. Right. right. If I'm right. Out, out shooting cats at some point, only cat ain't getting beat is the cat that ain't playing. And right. so I got no problem and no qualms with the dudes who gave me work because right. I gave plenty of dudes work myself. But absolutely. You know, but I, you know, when I say that, like, I I don't even focus in on some of that stuff, man. But you know, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. Right. But I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad you talked about the you know obviously your segue you know into into the booth and why why you did that. Um, now that you feel like you're in a position to to kind of educate and then bring really a, a, a true football mind. And then I think some networks, they like guys that are, you know, pretty forthcoming and, and really not just X's and O's, but really showing the truth to what's going on out there as they dissect, uh, dissect plays. Is that is that something now that you enjoy? Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I you know I love seeing a play and then, you know, being able to talk, talk a fan through or talk, you know, yeah. play by play guy. Well, why, why are they doing that? Well, look, man, look, they're in a quarters defense. Look, he should have stayed high on this. He's sitting his feet. That corner. Yeah, it looks like it's his fault, but it's really not. That safety. They're playing the palms where he's going right. to trap out on him. That safety has to go roll to one. And so, you know, I enjoy being able to educate folks about you know, kind of what's going on through the course of a game. And, you know, just myself in general, I like looking at it because I, I still try to play chess. What would I do in this situation? Right. Or, you know, because I've always had coordinators that were like linebacker guys. And so they always wanted to make sure that linebackers were protected or this. And so they hung us out to dry a lot. Um, but then when I look at some other teams that have – coordinators who are secondary guys, it seems like, look, we're going to make sure this back end is, is, straight, is right. and yeah, and straight. Everybody has their assignment. Look, if a back beat us out the backfield, we'll all rally down to that, you know? Right. You good. Well, there it is. Oh, shoot. Well, we got, we always got one more. We got to get your top five, young fella. We got to get your top five corners that play. You can put yourself in it or not. Um, again, going back to the 60s and 70s, or you just pick, you know, current guys, but we want to get your top five of the corners that you think have played in the NFL. Oh, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I have to put Deion Sanders on my list. Of course. Daryl Green on my list. Okay. Green. Yeah. I love uh, Champ Bailey's game, obviously. Seafood's mm -hmm. uh, game. I tell people all the time, you know, I might I might never get a gold jacket, but I, I, I tell you what, if I'm playing in a game, I ain't nobody I'm gonna trust more than myself on anybody. Mm. There it yeah. is. Cause there I just know, I know my mindset and my mentality. Yeah, you might get me, but I ain't gonna quit. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep right. going. Yeah, that's just that's <laughs> how I was raised. And so I understand that I'm not the best corner compared to the all the greats that are in the Hall of Fame, but if I'm playing in a game and I got to cover T.O. or Chad Johnson or Randy Moss or uh, uh, Marvin Harrison or Tory Holt, Isaac Group, whoever, I like myself. 
I like yeah, it. You know what? Yeah, and, and I like and that. T, and T loves himself. There yeah, it is. I That's love, perfect. I like my dude. <laughs> I know what I'm going to do. Hey, you selling yourself short, homie. You got to say, I love myself, bro. <laughs> bro, that, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I play, bro. I love me some me. And again, you have to have that mentality that, like I said, no matter what, you're put in a position to make a play, you have to have that confidence, <clears throat> that super uber confidence yeah. that you can make it. I mean, so, man, I, I, I respected you. Um, again, when you talk about playing against you and we had these games, these upcoming games, like I knew that I was going to get your best. I knew that I was going against one of the best on that day. And again, obviously the pre, uh, the, 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 just the buildup uh, up into to, to the time that we played, like I said, everybody, whether it was a Monday night, Sunday night or what have you, we were sort of like the two focal people that they they focused on. They knew that there was going to be some battles between it was going to be T.O., D. Hall, you know what I mean? So I knew that going into it. So I prepared myself, not only just in the offseason, I prepared myself during the course of the week because I knew that I was going to get your best. And I was obviously, I was bringing my best in every phase of the game. So I, I appreciate appreciated that competitive spirit. And you mentioned it yourself, bro. You're not, you're not one of those that's going to quit. Bro, like I said, there were times, like I said, I scored on you, but you were still you were still chirping and you were still coming at me. So I'm like, man, this dude don't stop. So I'm like, okay. He's I like, gotta... look, I know T just made a play. Now I got to go make a play. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. All right, yeah. Right. I'm in games. I'm like, bro, you gave up one. Okay, who cares? It's over. Can't get that back. Now go get one for me. Yeah. Exactly, because I'm not going to make it. Right, trust me. I've been on that side too. You got to have that mentality. You have to be a realist. There's no perfect game being played by anybody. You're going to get beat. For me, there are going to be passes that are defended. They're going to bat it down. They're going to cover. They're going to cover me or what have you. I understand that. Okay, like he said, you got to have that next play mentality. You got to block that out. Go to the next one because if you mess around, and you keep dwelling on it, then you're yep. not going to be focused. So, man, great, great man. You're a great mentor for your kids, father for your kids. Trust me, your kids have a great person to model themselves after. And I honestly, I had the joy and the pleasure of playing against you. You brought the best out of T.O. Trust me. When he tells me, said, I love me some me, bro, trust me. There ain't no light. I love me some me, bro. Trust me. I, I knew I had to have my popcorn every time, especially coming to the A, because I lived and I trained in, in Atlanta. Yep. So that was like that was like my second home. home. Yeah, that's, right. that's my second home. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I know um, one of your free agent years, you were going to go, um, you're visiting the New England Patriots. It didn't happen. Uh, kind of take us through that process of why do you end up with the Patriots that year? Well, that was the season that, uh, that I had got cut from Oakland. So I spent mm-hmm. another half of the year in Washington. And as part of me going to Washington, I signed in my contract that they couldn't franchise me. And that would give me the option to be a free agent after the season. And the, just the contract talk with Washington was going real slow. And it was so slow to the point that it was literally hours before free agency was about to hit. And Bill Belichick had called my agent like, look, we want to get them up here. They had already kind of talked about money. At the time, Randy Moss was already on the team. And Belichick said, like, I promised Randy I wouldn't pay anybody any, you know, any more than him. Uh, besides Tom. And at that time, I think Randy was on a three-year, $27 million deal, which is about nine a year. And they wanted to offer me the same deal. And in my, you know, in my young, naive mind, <laughs> 27 is more than 30. Washington gave me a 56-something, 50-something, 50-million-something. Wow, yeah. 30 guaranteed over the first three. And so for three for three million, which 
if, if you told me that right now, I get three of million. Of course. Right. right. <laughs> of course. So, Looking back, hindsight. When that's like the measuring stick nowadays, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed myself. Like I said, being from Virginia, D.C. was always a place I wanted to try to get to. You know, being in Atlanta, I saw Keith Brooklyn grow up in Georgia, play for mm. Georgia Tech, get drafted by the Falcons, and I thought that was the coolest thing. Like, we used to go right. – um, and, the, you know, the fans would be just enamored with him from high school, from college and, and you know, from, from the pros. And so, yes, you know, I was so close to going to New England, Washington, ended up coming through at, at, at the 12th hour um, to mm-hmm. get the deal done. And I ended up not even taking the trip up to New England. But I was so close to almost being a Patriot and now understanding what Belichick's legacy is in football. Absolutely. Man, I could have worked. I'm a tech, you know, myself that I, you know, that I didn't get a chance to, you know, be a part of all the special times and championships they had over the last, you know, 20. Was that the year? Was that the year that they went to the Super Bowl? So I would have been, I guess, oh, nine. Oh, nine. So whatever, because they, because they went, because I know Randy was there. How long was that? Two or three years? But I know they went to the Super Bowl and they lost. Yeah, they lost that 16 and no year. Yeah, I think I would have seen. Yeah. That was the year. So, yeah. So you, hey, you definitely, you might have, you might have could have helped them because, hey, according (laughs) to so many people, if Randy is so great, they should have won that Super Bowl because they had the great Tom Brady and they had Randy Moss that was that dude you're right yeah, yeah hey they got a they had a lot of great hall of famers on that team but i tell you what so did the new york giants <laughs> you know what i'm saying right the giants just, is no joke no they wasn't that <laughs> the reason i say that because people put so much emphasis and they everybody make this comparison with me and randy and i'm like bro i'm like yeah randy's good i feel like yeah he did a lot of great things but he did one thing great and that was go over the top but I think, like I said, when you talk about complete receiver, me and Hatch was having this discussion. It was short. But I would say, like I said, being, like you said, when you talk about when I knew that I was that dude and that guy, and you talk about coaches putting players in position to win, bro, if I'm on that New England 18-0 and Y'all would have lost two. No, Y'all would have lost two. You're, you're Y'all would have lost two. Hey, you smoking crack, crack, man. It don't matter. I'm willing bro. to win. Bro, you smoking, you smoking I, crack. You know, I feel the same way. If I was on that team, we would have won too. Like, it, first it really of all, don't. you would have never even been considered to be on the team. First of all, you know, you know, there. you know what's funny though? My 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 free agent, I kind of had the similar story. Like I my free agent year, I went to the uh, Dolphins, I visited, right? Didn't sign, went to the Chiefs, didn't sign, went to the Jets. I uh, was there at probably like two o'clock, stay in the building till like seven or eight. I end up signing that night. My next visit was supposed to be the Patriots the next day. And again, so does that mean that I would have went there and had a great, nobody knows, you know what I'm saying? It's, well, you had two other options prior to that. So clearly you didn't make their it, cut. Clear, clearly I didn't get a ring just like you didn't, chump. So shut your <laughs> hey, butt up. Hey, but I got that it gold don't jacket though. Yeah, it does. I got, I, I got, got me, a, I got jacket. me, a, I got me an orange jacket. Hey, I get my mama to make you a gold jacket. If you I don't need it. I don't oh, need it. I got, fact, I got a replica that I made myself. I just give you that. I, I'm sure. I'm sure you probably wear it all the time. <laughs> all right. All right, all right, all right D Hall. Appreciate you, brother. All right, bro. No doubt. All right, all right my man. man. All right, T. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, all right DJ Junior. Well, no, we appreciate you, D Hall. You know what I'm saying. Thanks for the love. Thanks for showing up on the show. Appreciate it, dog.
I appreciate y'all. Hey, I, hey, my little one of my twins want to say what's up. That's yeah, hey, bring on the, what's up, man? young fella. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, D'Angelo Hall, for coming on the show today. It's a good show. Good show. Love talking. Yeah. Love, love talking to them DBs, man. DBs <laughs> and receivers. I, I just I love it. It's a, it's a marriage, a match made in heaven. Yeah, I know. It's always great talking to those guys, uh, those uh, competitive DBs. But you know, like I said, it, it was uh, it was a joy to to see uh, him. Number one, obviously, you know, he's on NFL Network. Um, obviously, with the COVID situation, everybody's doing virtual. So uh, getting to see him do his thing there on screen. Um, but again, uh, there's so much that we we can talk about and take from um, from uh, the show today. But you know, just a couple of things stuck out to me is that obviously we I think. Uh, he said the same thing about himself that I say about myself. When you talk about, you know, our persona, I think we have a similar persona as it relates to being on the field and off the field with two different, two different animals, two different beasts. Um, obviously, the competitive nature comes out, um, not in everybody, but when you're on the field, you have to play a certain way. You have to hold yourself to a, to a standard um, to, to your level of ability, as well as the organization and your teammates. And so, um, I appreciate it again that about him. Like I said, it's just it's it's so funny how when you talk to people when you haven't talked to them in a while and you don't know them personally, you have you have preconceived notions about him or what have you. I've never really you know known him on a personal level just from afar. Uh, admired his talent um, as a as a cornerback and one of the obviously uh, fierce uh, defenders, the DBs that I've that I've had to face. So. I found that very interesting that, again, that he's, uh, a lot of people, I'm, I'm sure, you know, try to characterize you in a certain way. But just the persona on and off the field is very, very similar. Yeah. Uh, again, I think he's – that's why I asked him that very first question about him, you know, trying to, I guess, uh, be like Dion by wearing the jersey and he was playing offense right. and, you know, all that good stuff. So, right, right, right. You know, went to Atlanta or whatever. But, you know, his because he, he had a he had a bigger personality than what, you know, people look at now. Everybody celebrates and everybody does this because of social media. I think he would have been even a bigger name back in the day with social media, you, you know, if we had that oh, back in the day as well. For sure. Me too, bro. I'd be off the chain. Yeah, you, know you, how- you are already off the chain. Come, come back and get on, get on the chain. How about that? <laughs> so let's take it to our three and out segment uh, with yeah, D. Hall. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that stood up stood out was uh, when let's, he was, first before you go there, let's explain mm-hmm. the, you know our audience you know what the three and out because we we have new listeners okay. coming in every week, so explain to them what the three and out segment is. Okay, so yeah, three and out segment is when we take three points of the conversation and we want to get a little bit more in depth and kind of what moved us and gave us a certain opinion to talk about it after the show. Yeah, absolutely. Was, okay, was cool. that good, Mister Owens? Hey, did, I, did I, I nail it? Did I nail it, dog? Did I nail it? I wouldn't say you nailed it. Ah, I want to nail put, it. You put, yeah, you, you put a couple of hammers <laughs> on it. Uh, but yeah, no, no, you definitely, yeah, you definitely, you know, like I said, it's throughout the whole entire episode or whatever, we kind of pick out, you know, three things that, you know, we feel like we can highlight, you know, that, that, that comes up with our, that makes up our three and out segment. So it was your idea to come up with a three and out segment. So yeah, I like it. There it is. Well, shoot, number one, one, um, yeah. I think was the uh, the four picks when he got Jay Cutler four times. Yeah. So to have four interceptions in one game is amazing to me. Uh, it's like, what? like you said during the show, I think it's like having four or five touchdowns in a game, which is seems dang near impossible until it you know, actually happens. Um, not for like, me, though. Not for me. I, 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 I'm, mad. I'm mad. Honestly, I'm mad. 
because I could have had a couple of games where I could have had like five or six. And I just felt you like you know what me me with, me too no, no I, I just too. I could there there were a couple oh, games yeah. where I, I could have right scored I could have scored five or six touchdowns <laughs> but I end up with zero catches for zero yards oh but flag, I could have I was flag. ready I was ready oh, flag flag yeah. I was ready <laughs> I was I was ready <laughs> I, I ran right in, I ran right into that but yeah four picks in the game bro trust me that as, I think it's harder as a DB. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, interceptions is hard. That's what, hard and, bro? Hard. And to do it, I mean, four picks in the game, bro. That's that's remarkable. That's and how he he kind of did say he saw it coming because a couple years prior, this is this is what you guys have to understand. When you're in the NFL, like for years, you're studying tape and notes from years prior. You don't just look at last week's game of the Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills or the Washington Redskins. Right, tendencies. you're looking at tendencies, because again, he was with the, uh, the the player, the players on different teams. Now you look at you take all those things in consideration because he's like Jay Cutler got him a couple years prior when Eddie Royal was playing. Like, he's not going against Eddie Royal on that night, you know what I'm right. saying? But it's still he took it all in consideration and put it all together, and I'm getting him four times. Right, yeah, it's almost like yeah, you can take somebody out of the uniform, put them in another, but. They're kind of ideally the same people, but again, Absolutely. when you take when you when you start studying film and understanding tendencies, that's when you obviously you be, you have to become a student of the game, and Absolutely. that's where that knowledge of the game starts to kind of like you said when you talk about him trending upwards. That was one of those moments, like I said, mm-hmm. you start to trend upwards. So yeah, to, man, four picks in the game, bro. I'm telling you, impressive, impressive, very uh, impressive. Th- the second thing number three in our segment. Go ahead. I think, yeah, the second one would be just the amount of talent that came out of the Virginia area, the VA area. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. I mean, Virginia Tech, I mean, obviously we know uh, Michael Vick. He played with Michael Vick. Uh, Bruce Smith. Mm-hmm. Now, I got educated on this as he, as the show was going, and obviously we know about AI, one of the most prolific uh, small guards, uh, you know, the grace of NBA hardwood, the crossover against MJ. Um, obviously the corn rolls, obviously, like I said, you know, started a culture, um, influencer, um, AI was that guy. And then, you know, you, we, we mentioned Kenny Easley. Uh, mm-hmm. you said he was a safety there, uh, the Seattle uh with, Seahawks. The, with Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, that was a tremendous amount of talent that has come out of that area. And he's one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been kind of up on game cause they've been putting a lot of guys again in the NFL might not be hall of famers, but NFL NBA, uh, players coming out of that Virginia area has been significant over the last like 30 to 40 years for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, third thing on our three and out segment, um, kind of how he touched on, and I guess especially from a father figure as well. Um, don't be too good to work on your on your flaws. You know, a lot of these mm. guys, and today, uh, as far as the superstars, let's say in high school and college, four star, five star, you're going to be a high NFL draft pick. They're getting to this next level of professional sports, saying, "I made it. I'm here." I don't have to work on, I don't have any flaws. I'm good enough. I was number one. I was, that's all irrelevant, right? All that stuff will go straight down the tubes in six months. If you don't continue to broaden your game and working on your game and every aspect of your game over the career of your sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's basically, like I said, self-awareness of, of your potential, uh, your skill set, And like I said, everybody, anybody can go out there and work on the things that you do great. 
um, that you do naturally. That's easy. That's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it takes a, it takes a different mindset. Um, you know, and I think we've mentioned it a number of times and you've seen clips or you've heard clips from Kobe, uh, and guys talk about Kobe's work ethics and his habits of just going in the gym and doing one move a thousand times, like a jab, like a thousand times. Like who does that? Uh, that's somebody that realizes, okay, this is what I need to do in order for it to be instinctive when, when it, when, the, when, when, when in game time and when the moment calls for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, you know, I, I do some things on the, like the Nike circuit. Like I said, we're always training and coaching up the kids, right? Yeah. And whenever the B2, B, what is that? B2, B2G. Um, and then the Elite 11. Elite 11 and Nike, right? Nike, so, yep. It's funny. Every time the receivers want to go one on one with the DBs, the first thing they want to do is what? Go deep. Go deep. So no, the first just... thing I tell them is there's no go routes because I want to see if you can run curls and comebacks right, and slants. Exactly. But they get so mad and so angry and so frustrated. I'm like, I don't care about no go route. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just you running fast down the field and catching. Them. Right. Like, I got to see you run routes. I got to see you work on your craft. And you can right. tell the guys that want to work is the guys that stay in my line. The guys that don't, they usually go to another line because they want to go run go routes. All right. Day. It's route running. A go route is really not route running. You just run nope. in a straight line. Right. And so the balls go be there. Or it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's the definition like of, of what it actually says. It's route running. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's, that's good to eliminate, you know, the things that you obviously do, do good or do right. instinctively or that's natural. Um, yeah. Because you want to get something that's, that's the easy way out. You want to go beat right. somebody deep. Okay. <laughs> right. And but can you yeah. run a slant? Can you run right. a comeback? Can you run a curl? So, right. There it is. But yeah, thanks, D. Hall, for coming on the show today, blessing us with, with your with your character. Good seeing you again. Again, he's doing his thing. Uh, so it's some NFL network. Um, he's doing the um, radio for Washington Redskin football, Washington football team or Washington club team, whatever it's called now. It's not even the Redskins no more, of course. But uh, again, thanks, D. Hall, for coming on. Get your popcorn ready podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel youtube.com slash terrellone to see me yeah to see him (laughs) but you're really coming to see me Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 